0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org.
1: Lord, thank you that you are glorious. Lord, thank you that you are alive. Lord, thank you that any mountain is as dust before you. Jesus, we love you. We worship you tonight. And in your name we pray. Amen. Please do take your seats. And I'd like to invite some representatives of our fantastic staff team to come and tell us what happened in 2018. (laughs)
2: There we go. Oh. <laughs> Never mind, I had a piece of paper with that. Uh... <laughs> Beautiful, there we go. So, the six of us here um, represent uh, all the Ivy churches um, that make up of the whole of Ivy Church. And on behalf of all of us, I just wanna say that it is a massive privilege, not only to lead the sites that we lead, but just to be a part of this amazing church. And it's been such a privilege to see what God has done over this year. And so we wanna start uh, this evening just with an attitude of gratitude, because we believe that's a starting place of worship. And so just the next few moments, we're gonna tell you a little bit, uh, well, a few of the many highlights of 2018. Amazing. So we
3: had an amazing year at Ivy Church Academy. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We are just so blessed to be able to meet on a university campus. We're one, in, we're one of like three churches in the whole country that's allowed to do that, which is amazing. Such a good opportunity. And this year we've seen God do some amazing things as we've made space with the Holy Spirit. We've seen healings. People make decisions to follow Jesus. It's just been amazing, hasn't it? And new leaders raised up. There's just so much to say.
4: It has been amazing. We've also been praying uh, every Tuesday from seven to eight in the morning. I've been praying for the church, for the city, for the nation. And we believe that has really fueled and put um, weight behind what God has been doing at Academy.
0: Come on. Yes, Ivy Church Didsbury. Any people from Didsbury here tonight? Come on. Uh, 2018 was a fantastic year for Ivy Church Didsbury. We planted actually in 2017... But we planted full, which was an amazing problem to have. And so in 2018, we were deciding what is the next step for us. It was all about growth. And in October, we planted our two services, which has just been amazing, creating space for more people to find their way back to God. And it's just been an amazing opportunity for people to step up into leadership, um, taking more responsibility. And we've just been so thankful in, for, at Didsbury for what God has been doing in us and through us.
5: Uh, Mercy Bank what a place what a year uh it's been a tough one but a good one the Dane cafe continues to be at the center of all the action uh we've had amazing youth milkshake nights they're going from strength to strength cats led a summer kids club uh leighton's taking on more responsibility for discipleship and bringing up sundays heather's prophetic evangelism is reaching every corner of the estate we've been teaming with no place left to see more people uh, come to know jesus and looking at what local multiplication looks like We've had all-night prayer marathons and much, much more. Hello, um,
6: and I want to tell you about Ivy Sharston. You're all in Ivy Sharston, so you all have to cheer when I say Ivy Sharston. Ivy Sharston? Yes. Yes. You're welcome. Um, We um, have had an amazing year. Um, I had the privilege at the start of the year of working with Lucy Smith as she led Shaston amazingly for maternity cover. Um, And then I came back in April and we've had a lot of fun and we've seen um, salvations, the church is growing. We've seen miracles and healings and had a lot of fun along the way. Um, And we've also. Started to feel like God has been calling us through the year to step out. So at Charleston, we actually are in a brilliant position of having a great team and we could get comfortable. And therefore we felt God say it's time to get a bit uncomfortable and start to reach out into um, withinshore. And so we've started a service called 515 because it starts at 5.15, and also because God has just shown us through the Gospels that that's what he wants to do, is healing and breakthrough and deliverance. And so it's very exciting what's happening. Now, I did want for us to be able to do something kind of boy-bandy, and that we'd all, you know, two-step, as we told you, or that we'd do some clapping, and they all said no. So, what they... I know, we're going to do rapping and everything, and, you know, gosh, can't get the friends. So... What they did allow me to do was that when I say, thank you, Jesus, you're allowed to shout back, thank you, Jesus, so should we practise that? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because we're gonna say a lot of things that are brilliant and so I'm gonna be shouting, thank you, Jesus, and I'd love to hear you say it back.
2: Awesome, so Ivy Fuse? Yeah. Come on, yes, representing well. Um, Uh, 2018 was fantastic. We celebrated our second year of of being planted, uh, and we've seen amazing growth this year. Uh, And while it's not a numbers game, those numbers are important because they represent individuals who have found a home, who have found purpose, who have stepped into calling. We've had people who have said yes to Jesus for the first time. We've seen testimonies of of healing, of breakthrough, of provision, of God's faithfulness. We have a thriving kids' ministry, so much so that we just had to appoint a new team builder so we can have another age group. We've heard amazing stories from our our children, actually, recently. One. one of our children led two of his friends to Jesus at school. How amazing is that? It's been awesome. Um, other things have happened. Um, we're continuing to do our Community Sundays where we head out every first Sunday of the month into the community to bless them, to share the gospel, to serve them. And as part of that, every other month we've started launching a community meal. We love food at The Fuse and we believe it's what Jesus did a lot of. And this is just a chance to uh, share the gospel, to do life with people around the table. And we're so excited of what is to come. Cool. Moving to students. So we
4: made the great decision of appointing Sam Do you come in? Yeah. Sam, give us a wave. Sam is a student worker. Um, Students have found their way back to God this year, which is incredible, and that's um, through the team that Sam and Aoife brilliantly led, our outreach team, which did things like um, uh, they they took the Eden bus onto campus. Um, They've been eating, taking meals to students' homes to talk to them about faith. Uh, More recently, um, Sam started an international cafe called Meetup, which is giving uh, international students a space for community uh, to hang out, study the Bible and to explore faith. It's been a good year.
0: Come on. (laughs) Ivy Sport on to next. And despite my uh, time being somewhat preoccupied with Didsbury, sport has still continued. We still had lots of stuff going on. Over 2018, we engaged with more than 200 individuals through various activities and events, such as football, basketball, quizzes, golf days, um, and yeah, loads more other things that have been going on across uh, across ivy for for sport but one particular thing which you are going to hear a little bit later on which is a massive thing for us is the fact that we've bought a sports club it's a sports club you see that sport ivy sport are uber excited about that because the potential is massive and i love the fact that i'm part of a church who who values those things in terms of pushing out pioneering into different ministries so um although that's not a 2018 highlight for what we're going to do it definitely was a highlight because we got the keys in 2018 so come on
5: yes alpha who's who's done alpha here keep your hand up if you are here and following jesus because of alpha great uh Tim Burr handed on the baton to uh, the amazing Luke and Laura. Anthony have run three courses this year, seeing 30, over 30 people attend, And as well as that, the Oaks, a uh, team who went out to Kenya, the Hancocks Academy students have all been running Alpha as well, and it's been amazing to see uh, many of those people move from
2: Alpha into Grow Groups and be found and at home at Ivy. Awesome. Ivy Youth. Um, so, we're... So blessed that Ivy to have so many young people across uh, Ivy sites and stuff happening midweek. So this year um, we've had an amazing team serve and help equip and disciple our young people. Uh, The team did an amazing job and we're so grateful to God that that team's grown this year. Also, um, Luke Anthony has taken on the running of Monday Nights, um, which is fantastic, and we're regularly seeing up to fifty young people uh, gather on a Monday to be discipled, to be equipped, to go and help their friends and their peers find their way back to God. Um, We've got youth provision happening at most of our Ivy sites, and every week there's around forty young people that meet, that are getting discipled and sown into, and young people who are serving. Um, This last summer, we took a group of young people to Soul Survivor, which is always a highlight of the year, and I, I was there, and I know. Every single one of them encountered the Holy Spirit in a fresh and new way, which is incredible. And finally, I think one of the biggest highlights of the year is that uh, we had six young people get baptized, uh, which is awesome. So there we go.
6: Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, Great. So I want to talk to you about women's ministry. Can we get an ooh? Awesome, all my ladies. Um, We have seen amazing things. So some of you will have been to the call. Anyone been to the call this year? Brilliant. Um, It started with, um, at the start of the year, we had um, the call Extra, which was amazing, and we went to Gusto. um, And then all through the year, we've um, had the calls ending with Vicky Lloyd speaking at the end of last year, which was incredible. Um, We also have Ivy Women speakers who meet together. There's about 18 of us across the sites. And we meet to be encouraged. And um, that was amazing to learn from each other and support each other. And we had the incredible Lynn Swart come and speak at the last one um, in the end of December, or sometime that. Um, And then we also have a Bible study, a women's Bible study on a Friday morning, which you're all very welcome to, all the women. And um, that's been amazing because it started off with um, me leading it. And then over time, um, over the year, it's been that the women who come now lead it. They do all the prep and they take it um, a week at a time to come and teach other people and to share the gospel and to invite their friends. And that's just been amazing to have, to see that and to see that develop this year. So thank you, Jesus. Thank
3: you. At uh, Ivy, we run a church planting residency year, and last year saw the graduation of four students. Whoa. And we have six current students, which is really, really exciting. And then uh, also, we have 16 people currently studying theology part-time with WTC. How amazing is that? Come on. From all ranges of academic backgrounds, workplaces, family situations, all kinds of people doing it. And shameless plug, if you'd like to find out about either of those things, please come and talk to me.
0: Great. And I've got the list of like what we've titled additional. They're sort of miscellaneous, but we, we wanted to remember them um, this year. And I'm just going to rattle through them. And maybe you were a part of them. Maybe you went to them. Maybe it will jog your memory as I say them. So in the spring, we had the marriage course. There's one running right now, which is awesome. In the summer, we had the prayer tent out in the, uh, in the garden at Didsbury. Uh, in the autumn we had the wave of light and the adoption evening uh, services. We also, if you came to one of our Easter or our Christmas events, you would have seen the amazing choir and that was through Limitless Voices and there was also a Limitless Voices course which went on through the church. And then last but not least, we got to gather as um, churches across Manchester as part of the Greater Manchester Prayer events that happened throughout the year and they were great evenings and hopefully you can remember some of them if you were there as well.
5: Okay. Who we went to Spring Harvest? Come on. Yes, she did. 95 of us went to Spring Harvest in April down
2: to Minehead to worship, learn together, and have lots of fun. So, as I said at the beginning, whilst we meet in several different sites uh, on a Sunday, um, we want to remember that we are it's coming uh, we are one church with one vision for this city and one thing we love to do is to gather as the church uh as one church and uh, we've had plenty of highlights easter was one of them and um this was another anthony um uh, showing us some hidden talents but actually we got to celebrate and honor anthony and zoe who have been with us for 10 years can we just give them like a round of applause again? so that was awesome
6: And the final All Together that we had was um, at Christmas. And so we want to remember all the many things that we've done over Christmas. Some of you remember an incredible pantomime that happened at the All Together. We had to hire those stars in. It was so great. Um, And then we've also had um, all the things that you'll remember of um, nativities and Christmas parties and Christmas quizmases at Academy and all kinds of fun including um, we had the joy of next door being able to um, feed a load of people on Christmas Day who otherwise would have been on their own and so it was amazing to be able to feed a load of people and fill the MEC and have a special Christmas there as well.
3: Amazing, last year we had 17 people get baptised from the different sites, thank you Jesus and I'm believing for so many more this year, Amen. amen, amen. Uh, cap
0: this time um, cap it was a, a tough year for cap for two thousand and eighteen and um, they experienced even more complex and difficult situations, but it was also an amazing year for cap because they saw so many answers to prayer, they saw people finding their way back to God, which is just amazing and something that we can truly be thankful for uh, and seeing people being set free from debt
5: great uh, and amazing for such a large church we suffer very few losses in terms of our church family going to be with Jesus. Though when that does happen, it brings us back to remembering how brief our lives are and how well those we love lived for Jesus and the legacy they've left with us. Uh, In Merseybank, we said goodbye and celebrated the lives of Helen Bullwich and uh, Bernie Dewhurst. Um, Here at Shauston, we said goodbye to Howard Austin uh, and Dennis Wakefield as well. Uh, We've said goodbyes to many wider family and friends um, including the very sad loss of clementina's husband terry over in italy uh, and many that are close to us and we're going to take a moment just to remember those people who were lost this year
6: yeah we thank you jesus for their lives and for the impact that they had on us for those people mentioned and for those people that we hold in our heart, that we remember that we personally lost in to, 2018. We thank you for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, we've also had um, a lot of new life in and across ivy and so we love to dedicate the children that come into our churches Um, and so we've had loads of them across sites which has been beautiful and we just wanted to honor and remember each one of those and they're not all on the screen but you know them if you're in the sites and um, we believe for many more in this coming year as well in jesus name
4: tim and me got married (laughs) Not to each other, to two wonderful women. So congratulations to anyone who tied the knot in 2018.
6: And finally, we've had a lot of fun, so much fun that I'm gonna read it out. Um, we have had fun across all the sites. Um, we've had picnics in the park together, sports day races, World Cup fun, quizzes, bouncy castles, ice cream vans, popcorn, candy floss, burgers, we the reason you put on weight in 2018, selfies, magic tricks, lunches together, games, and much more. And so we need to have even more fun in 2019, don't we? But we just want to I just want to have you stand for a minute. And as we have talked through a lot of things that we are thankful for, we truly are thankful. And it can't you can't help but be thankful when you think of all the many things that God has done, and therefore we are believing for even more in 2019. So can we give a massive thank you, Jesus, a round of applause to him for all that he has done? Let's do it together. Thank you, Jesus! <laughs>
7: Wow. Take your seats and breathe. That was a, when it, when we were looking at the timings of things these guys said how how long have we got and they, I kept shaving off a little bit more and a little bit more. So uh so they did an incredible job to take us on a whistle stop tour of 2018 and what a fantastic year it was. So I also wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, now just thinking about some of the other comings and goings that we've had at Ivy. If you've had the opportunity to look at our annual report, you will see on page 9 that there are 15 different names that are listed there of people who have served in different capacities on the employed staff team, and they've been fantastic, and we love them dearly, and thank you to them. We also want to say thank you hugely to the massive number of people who just volunteer their time and, th- and just give so much of themselves to help people find their way back to God. Without the number of people who are volunteering day in, day out, week in, week out, we wouldn't be able to do anything like that, that which we are as a church. Um, so yeah, round of applause for those <laughs> There's a late breaking piece of news in terms of comings and goings that didn't actually get into the into the the, uh, annual report. And that's to announce that Ruth Pierce, who's uh, sat just at the back, has accepted the position of central support manager. So Ruth, it's fantastic to have you on board. Ruth's been at Ivy for many a year and is, uh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic for her to come and join the team. Who, and she's taking over from uh, Mary Eva Phillips, who moved on uh, up to Durham with Andrew, and also Katie Lavelle. Thank you to Katie, who stepped in and provided some maternity cover during that time. But it's going to be absolutely brilliant to have Ruth on board, so we are delighted about that we also really do feel that it's necessary and right for us to pray for some other uh, families in our community who are at the moment struggling in different ways or facing different battles. So what we're going to do is, just for a couple of minutes, in your groups where you are, we would be delighted to spend some time praying for the McConkenys, for the Subs, for uh, the Newton Smiths, who are a family here from Charleston and also uh, for the Dawson's who um, many people will know their parents are both facing some real challenges at the moment in terms of their health but we're trusting that God has got some healing to come so for those families what we want to do is just in the groups that you are please can you just spend a few minutes praying for them now thank you Lord, your word tells us that when two or three are gathered, you're there in their midst. So when hundreds are gathered to pray, Lord, we know that your spirit is at work. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you hear us as we cry out to you. Lord, and that you do more than you hear us, that you respond. Lord, thank you that we don't have to be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, we can present our requests to you. And that peace of God... Which surpasses understanding is there in your mighty name. Amen. So, as we come towards uh, the next part of our section on Ivy's comings and goings. It's clear that one of the things that's happened this year, uh, this time at the start of the year, in January, uh, February last year, we announced uh, that Sarah Parks was joining us as executive leader. And in uh, the latter part of uh, 2018, we as elders collectively made the decision that we needed to uh, bring that appointment to an end. And in light of that, we've received a series of questions and have had lots of discussions and time where we've been able to help to try and share some of the reasoning and uh, the details behind that. And what we'd like to do now is just spend a few minutes uh, responding uh, to a particular question um, that kind of sums up a lot of what we've received. And that question says, in the light of Sarah Park's dismissal and Andy Smith's resignation, What do you feel you've learned as an eldership team about taking on staff and letting them go? And within our answer to this, or within Anthony's answer to this, there's also a response to some of the other questions that have been submitted
8: to us. Thanks. Just to put it in context, it does say before it would be helpful if you could be as specific as possible. In my experience of this situation, vague comments and lack of knowledge are causing people anxiety and to draw their own conclusions. So I want to thank you for the question, which concisely and helpfully summarises concerns that I know that some people here know very little about the situation. Others may know more about and still others have raised questions about and discussed both with us and without us. I'm reading, rereading actually Scott Peck's great book, The Road Less Travelled, and its first line is this, life is difficult. He goes on to say, life is a series of difficulties about which we can either moan or try and solve. But trying to solve problems brings its own difficulties and that, quote, it is through the pain of confronting and resolving problems that we learn. So I'm going to try and speak about what I've learned and what I am learning. Some of these are fresh learnings because I've never actually had to face precisely the same problems before. But also the last year has underlined for me the importance of some things that I thought I knew but God obviously knew that I didn't know and so he took me back to school in order to be able to teach me through what has been undoubtedly one of the most testing times in the whole of my ministry life because if we only know the theory we get tested again and again until we've actually learned. So the first lesson is with regard to recruitment. The need to be slow to hire or give responsibility too quickly. We've had people come and go at Ivy for many years. Every year I've been here, and God has been so gracious in that. People have put that in terms of a complaint. They've said, oh, we've had a high turnover. We've lost some great people. But as I look back, I find it hard to see so much kingdom gain as loss. It's true, I'm the only person in the last 10 years who's been on staff throughout, except Joe Sperling, who we recently welcomed back. Well, I remember Joe around the time she went, telling me that she'd had a dream. And she said, Ivy, for her, was like a university. And God spoke to her and said, the aim of a university is not that you stay there forever, but that he prepares you for what you've got next. So we're not just a lifeboat, as I've said so often here. We're meant to be an aircraft carrier and to be able to help people to go into the next thing that God has got for them, not just to hold on to them. So I rejoice as I think about people like Deborah and Lynn, How God released God into more that he had for them. I think about people I thank God for, like Alan Taylor with Fusion. Matty Hawthorne with Scripts Union. Nick Duffy, who we still have close relationships with in ministry. Ben Jeffrey's departure to go and plant a church called Soul City was personally painful. But now I see the church that he planted flourish and I rejoice in what God is doing, what he was doing through that. People always come and go. And when so many of you said kind words about our 10 years here in the summer, some of what some of the same people have said subsequently has been very hard to hear. Such that I've asked God whether we should go, or actually I've asked him, could we please go? At least once a month, sometimes once a week, sometimes all night. But the answer has always been, no, you're here until I say you're not. And we're not released. And we're not on our own. And we're here until he says we're not. And I thank God that I was called to be the leader of Ivy Church. And I've learned how important it is not to conflate issues too simplistically. Many in the room may not be aware, may not be aware of who Sarah Parks was, as her role here during the 12, 11 months that she was employed was less front-facing. But we previously announced, with regard to Sarah Parks, that having brought her on staff last January, regretfully, I quote, we did not feel that she was the right fit in terms of all the functions of the role of executive leader. And that having discussed together at length, prayed and sought counsel, we came to the unanimous decision that we needed to end her employment as kindly, lovingly and respectfully as possible. And that's what we tried to do. Now, a meeting here in the week, press read, An amazing woman speaker who brought this, something really powerful about when relationships and problems go wrong. And it was so good that I got my phone out and made a note exactly word for word of what she said. The goal of healthy relationships is not agreement, but understanding. Agreement means somebody has to change their mind because they're wrong and I'm right. Now, you don't know all the details. Some of you keep demanding to know all of the details because you think you should have them. And even if you did, you may not agree, and I understand. I'm grateful that we came in the end to a place where we mutually agreed a a resolution with Sarah, ratified by the conciliation service ACAS, because it did get messy. The terms of which mean we cannot and will not be drawn into the detail on either the decision or the process itself, which I hope will be understood. Suffice it to say, it became a lot more messy than any of us envisaged, which regretfully caused a lot of hurt and pain for everyone. The pain of bringing the appointment to an end left me incredibly sad and sorrowful. And sorrowful can look like shame. And throughout December at times, that's how I look, but I'm not ashamed. Because I believe the right decision was made for the right reasons. Since the start of December, we've engaged in hours of face-to-face meetings, calls and responding to emails. A few people have come along on Monday evenings or met in one-to-ones. There have been wider meetings with some people who've raised understandable concerns, similar, similar to those summed up in the question we just had, with the hope of gaining and us giving some understandable need for reassurance, as much as possible. And within the bounds of confidentiality, which we, as elders, maintained, We try to give that. We've also had many hours of discussion with various staff, including Andy, and some of us also with Lucy, and the reasons for them leaving are varied and complex and hard to convey in short written statements that get put out across thousands of people reading them. Though I'm grateful for the way that he's spoken publicly of wanting to honour Ivy, but now they feel it's time they went, and as friends, I'm really sorry about that, and I feel the pain of that. And I invited them to come here and join Ivy in the first place. And I'm very grateful for everything that God's done for them. And I've told them that I'd have preferred it not to end this way. But we're all responsible to hear God for ourselves and to walk with God and work for God in the way that he calls us to. And so I want to bless them. And I'm not going to talk about that further publicly. Somebody wrote a similar question and added, how can you make sure this never happens again? And while we are reviewing hard, the only way we can make sure we never get this wrong in the future It's to be perfect. I can't guarantee that. But every year at the AGM, we report comings and goings, and we reach out, and we grow, and we try new things. And usually, we get the right people. You've seen a bunch of them up here today. I look around with gratitude at so many great leaders that God has brought here and is raising up from here. And it's never about good or bad people. There have been times where God has made it very clear to them themselves that it's their time to move on. And I've never ever had to have a tough conversation with anybody about that before, we've never had to try and have a conversation where we think and we try and tell somebody that it's not the right role for them and it happens though in every organisation, it happens a lot in some, or nobody addresses it, so it just carries on and everybody suffers as a result. It happened when I was in the police. If you've never worked for anything but a church environment, perhaps it would be harder to understand. People sometimes disparagingly talk, and they have done here, about how they don't work for a church, but rather in the real world. But the church, believe it or not, has to inhabit the real world presently. People have expressed alarm. I've seen some become very angry. This has happened in a church community. This should never happen in church. We are family. I've never seen a perfect family. But I recently recommended the book Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer to somebody on WTC, and I thought it might be good to reread that myself. And in that, he warns how dangerous is the unrealistic idealism of a wish dream church versus the one we're actually called to be part of. And I quote, he says, He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. I've been in ministry 25 years. This is a first for me. Anybody who believes that for me this was not a hard decision to come and lay these before the elders for their consideration, that I didn't do it without the best interests of the church or without sleepless nights and many tears and heartache, and then for us to proceed without prayer, seeking the best advice and following it as best we can with full consideration about all possible alternatives, well, just because they know you doesn't mean they know you. I've learned it's so much harder to undo a wrong hire. And the longer it goes, the harder it gets, especially when you bring somebody from the outside. It worked with Dave Hill from his time from us when he came in, it worked with Andy until recently, but the difficulties are compounded when somebody moves a long way to join, when some family move with them, when recruiting for a senior role, a very senior role, and when they make some very helpful contributions, it gets hard. I've learned that hindsight is 20-20. I've learned that everybody loves the language of a hero-maker culture when it works, but it gets used against you when it doesn't. Even though it doesn't mean anybody can do anything. However hard they or you try and make it work. I've learned there's never an easy time to make a tough decision. But when you're in the wrong decision, it's sensible to turn around. If you're going in the wrong direction. It's not wise leadership to just pretend and hope it'll get better. I've learned that as a leader, you'll be defined by the tough decisions you make and the ones that you don't. Those times test whether you're actually really living and working for the approval of God or to avoid the disapproval of people. I've learned, as the question outlines, that in the absence of the ability to communicate everything as openly as you'd ideally want to, some people will trust you easily, others slowly and others not at all. And some people will draw their own conclusions and make their own story up. I've learned I can't control anybody else's tongue. But I can use mine to forgive and to bless people in the name of Jesus because people see things as they are, not as they are. And it's always more complicated than you think. So it's better to meet face to face and listen rather than talk in such times with those directly involved as much as possible. I've learned in times like this that you find out who your friends are. Some, by the way, they challenge you and others, by the way, they encourage you. Pulling together, though, some of the words from various conversations and communications I've received personally with people not directly involved, the truth about me and these guys who are elders at the church is apparently that we are and have been cruel and Christian, uncaring, unloving, callous, secretive, foolish, legalistic, unworthy, unprofessional, unjust, unbiblical, and dishonest. Those are not words that we've used with those with whom we've had disagreements. We've not maligned motives or impugned characters. I reject those words. They are not true. I've learned through this, and I've seen even more clearly what a loving, hardworking, self-sacrificing, courageous group of elders. I'm privileged to serve Ivy. And I get paid to hear that kind of stuff, but they don't. And when I was in the police, people used to spit on me too. And this hurt more. It hurts me more when I see tears running down my wife's face in a cafe on my day off when she asks me not to share anymore because she just can't handle it. We've been asked over and over again, what are you sorry for? What have you learned? Well, I wonder what some of the people who've asked these questions and the way in which they've asked them, I wonder what time they've given for self-reflection. I've learned some people find it easier to talk about you than to you. And that may be as much my problem as theirs and I understand that because I'd still rather talk to them face to face than about them I've learned in the year of prayer the absolute love of God and the vital importance of utter dependence on him I've learned more the reality of spiritual warfare in the last year I've learned that the enemy is the father of lies and the sower of discord and the lover of division and as the year of hope opens up I've learned that there's always hope when everybody stays open to learning together so I'm done talking about this now but there's a further meeting available for those who want that. And I welcome the full and comprehensive external review process that we've commissioned to support our process of reflection and learning, especially around issues around staffing, processes and decision-making, so that we can keep on learning together and, by God's grace, improving. And now I'd like to hand over to my fellow elders to talk more about that. Thank you.
7: Thanks, Anthony. Uh, Rob.
9: Yeah, thank you. So um, as Anthony referenced briefly, um, we want to... um be learning people and continue being learning people so as part of helping us with that um, kind of bring together our learning our perspectives but also get some expert external view on how we do a whole variety of things Um, we're commissioning an external review of our systems and our processes to do with staff with employment with leadership with decision making and governance in ivy it's really it's it's quite wide-ranging it's looking at all kind of all of those things. It's helping us partly to ask what are the lessons we could learn from our recent experience, but also actually to look um, at other aspects of how we do things, how we make decisions, how we uh, support and develop staff. Questions like how do you best do recruitment? How do you continuously develop staff in an organisation which is both an employer And family where we're kind of we've got people who are leaders and and their employees Um, we're seeking to look at that we're also seeking to look forward actually and ask given that we are where we are but we don't want to stay where we are we want to be a growing church how could we look five years ahead ten years ahead and ask so what kind of systems and processes and decision-making models could be done or need to be done if we're going to be planting again and again and again and our team is growing and growing and growing Um, and um, so we've set this set of questions about how we look after how we develop, how we bring on new members of staff, how we work together and make decisions together, um, and how we uh, make sure that everyone in every way is always learning. And always growing, and we've been we've done a lot of looking around to find uh, a really great um, external review team to help us with that. And um, we've found someone who I think is going to be really great—a man called Stephen Matthew um, from Bradford. Quite a few people, some of us, will know him and certainly know his work. So for many years, he was uh, the executive leader at Abundant Life or Life Church in Bradford. Um, Um, He has done this. He has done governance to a very high level, but also he teaches and he trains other people in it, Uh, he teaches and trains church leaders, in particular he does some work for other uh, charity organisations as well on these questions of leadership and governance and processes and things like that, helping the church to be its very, very best and helping it to prepare for growth for the future so we're hoping that Stephen is going to be able to start work on that quite soon he's going to be speaking in depth to lots of people closely involved including all of the staff team and all of the elders and giving us that ability to support us as we try and reflect and learn, but also from an external perspective bringing that different view of excellence um, and helping us to do some comparisons as well um, for other people, like how can we be the very best church and the very best growing church recognising that that's way more than just being a great employer. Um, We want to be that plus an awful lot. So he's starting work quite soon. We are aiming to have that completed um, long before the summer, kind of springtime. He's currently kind of planning the the details. Um, So we wanted to let you know that that's kind of, we're we're doing quite serious process of of learning and planning and planning for growth. Um, And we'll let you know how it's going and kind of lots of feedback will be forthcoming
7: from that. So yeah, quick update on that, thank you. And on that basis, as as Anthony already referenced, the 26th of February, which is Tuesday the 26th, we would love to uh, create the space where we can listen to any kind of further questions, reflections on that, that will help us inform that process um, as we reflect on the recent months. Now... We've reflected on recent months. We're looking backwards, but also uh, our AGM. We want to look forwards. And in 2019, as our year of hope, uh, we've got an opportunity now to to hear from Anthony. Uh, if that's I, anthony's shaking his head, he's saying, "Not now, not now." It was, but it's not. Okay. So Anthony is going to uh, be ready in a second. Ready. He's ready uh, to come and share with us uh, something of the vision for
8: 2019 and. The Year of Hope. Yes, kind of. So you thought Becca brought it down, and then I brought it way down. (laughs) But I'm going to try and bring it back up with Mike Starkey, who I'd like to invite up. Now, I know Mike, we were at Theological College together, and he's been a friend for years. Yay, yay for Mike. And, um... We had breakfast the other day, and he said he wanted to have breakfast with me, and I was so privileged, because it was at that that he kind of announced to me something that is very exciting. He's been uh, five years, been coming along to Ivy, although officially he's kind of still got at least that one foot in the Church of England, and he's kept it in as he does all kinds of different things, and there's a great reason for that, which he wanted to share with me at breakfast and wanted to share with us. So he's you know, fully part of all kinds of stuff to do with Ivy and wants to take some of the stuff that, that we get to do and to help with the next thing that he's also going to do, and I'm sure we learn both ways. But Mike, why don't you just tell us what you're doing, then we can pray for you.
10: Okay. So the background is that the Church of England in Greater Manchester has just created a brand new role that's never existed before, Um, Head of Church Growth, which is covering everything to do with evangelism, church planting, fresh expressions of church, trying new things, taking loads of risks. It's very exciting, and I'm going to be that person from the beginning of April. So so I'm really excited. I'm a little bit scared about it because it's a big task. It's everything from sparking, creative, wacky new stuff to what you do with the little dying churches that got two old ladies and a dog in Rochdale. Mm. Um, And there's everything in between. There's a lot to do, um, but the reason that I'm wanting to share it with you tonight is that I love Ivy. I love being a part of Ivy. It's been brilliant every so often to give talks and things at Ivy, and just to let you know um, that you're going to have a really close ally in the Church of England in Greater Manchester who would love to keep the conversation going and love
8: to have you praying for me as I'm in that role. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, let's stretch our hands towards him. Lord, we thank you so much for Mike. He's a gifted man. And Lord, uh, we thank you for the way in which you brought him here to our city, that he's connected in with many of us are here at Ivy. And we've been blessed by that connection. And we just wanna, we're excited about the, the possibilities because you're not done with the Church of England yet, Lord. You've still got so much that you want to do. And Lord, we just pray for uh, Mike that, that uh, you would ha- just give him your favour in this new role and every blessing, Lord, for partnerships for your gospel. In Jesus' name, in this city that you love. Amen. Amen.
5: Amen.
8: Yes. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Yay. And that's the kind of thing, one thing that we didn't mention in the look back was launch. And that was an incredible uh, thing that we were also got to do which was to have 550 leaders come from 18 countries all around the world and to be able to look at how we start new churches how we break out in new ways and that's from ivy that's from here that's the kind of thing that a few years ago at, at one of these agms i was saying no idea what we're going to do and how we're going to do it but we're meant to in some way be used by god to help get other churches started and um and you prayed and god's opened stuff up in amazing ways so god does answer prayer and uh, he is our hope uh, and he is our future now as part of those some of those connections I got to spend some time in the summer in Kenya and it was amazing to be able to connect with some of the people through open arms and, and uh, connect there but also with some partners in new thing and to speak to church leaders there and I came back on a bit of a kind of feeling like yes you know you go to be honest with you any time you go to Africa I always come back like yes <laughs> And and then I got invited to go and speak at a big conference um, over um, a guy called Stuart Bell, invited me to speak at his conference. And Deb Brewer also spoke there and Andy Hawthorne. And uh, and he invited me to speak and I got this talk and and I've got to say, I I got up and the guy got up in front of me to welcome me and he started to go on about me. And he said, oh, I've read Anthony's book and he's such an amazing leader and he's such a great bloke. And he was really bigging me up and I was literally shrinking in my chair Thinking, oh, I hate that, oh, no, I don't want that. And then it was like, oh, and then, and then eventually he got up, and it was like, oh, Anthony Delaney, kind of thing. You're expecting Frank Sinatra would walk on or somebody. And then I kind of got up, and, I, and, I, and literally I prayed a prayer, which I've said, I, don't, I didn't want to become a prayer that I would then pray just as a prayer, if you like, as something that I do before I give talks. But it became, um, I knew it was a powerful moment uh, and I prayed this prayer and I said, Lord, I am nothing and nobody, but you can use anybody, so please use me. And then I gave the talk and pow, the Holy Spirit came. And there was people, literally hundreds of people responding and weeping and I ended up in the middle of them on my face, just saying the same kind of prayer over and over again. And then I, so that was a good prayer and then I prayed a really bad prayer. This is the prayer I encourage you never to pray. I prayed, humble me. The Bible never says to pray, humble me. You see, you don't want God to humble you. I don't want God to humble me. It says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will raise you up. So, so it, to ask for God to humble you, I just don't do it. Problem is, you see, he will, because he does answer prayer. And so much of what I just talked about, I think, has been part of the process of God absolutely breaking me down. Totally smashing me in all kinds of ways. So don't ever pray that. Humble yourself. And this is the annual gratitude meeting. And some of you are thinking, I'm in the wrong meeting. (laughs) But I'm, I'm actually grateful for God humbling me. You know? Probably needed a lot of that. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's a painful thing. It's a horrible thing. It's not a bad thing. And so we've celebrated a lot. I mean, you look at this through the annual report. Andy Hawthorne texted me. and says, I'm away, but I'm praying. I think it's amazing. What a great church we belong to. I love the annual report. He said, it's so fantastic. And, but what are the marks that God looks for in the church? Because I loved it, the way Dan had done it and everything. So that when you're looking at it online, it kind of went boom, 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 with all these numbers. Do you, you like that? Isn't that super cool? all these numbers coming up on the church. But what are the marks that God measures in the church? What if... What God wants to do is measured less by what we're doing for Jesus, but rather who we're becoming for Jesus. And how do you measure that? That's really hard to go bu- 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 with the numbers. You know, look on our website. You're going to see, look on the signs outside Didsbury. We're here to help people find their way back to God. But what then? What difference is it making in our in lives then? See, we've only scratched the surface. Around the room, you could tell so many more amazing stories. I know you could of Great things that God has done in and through and around Ivy. And I'm so grateful to be part of that. And soon, we're going to hear about a budget which will invite you to do more and, and for us to contribute more in various ways so that more people get to come and be a part of this and to live and to give and to serve together. And more will be done in this year of hope. But what changes if we trust Christ? When we say we've found our way back to God, what then? Because we know it's not simply about doing good things, because people who don't know Jesus do good things. Lots of people who don't know Jesus do some really good things. What's most important? How do you measure it? Now, the church at Corinth was a very productive church. It was a very gifted church. It was a very spiritual church, but it was also a divided church. Paul planted it, but other leaders contributed over time. He mentions Peter and Apollos, various members connected with various people and started to align with certain leaders. Some people said, well, I'm with Paul. Other people said, oh no, Apollos mentored me. And somebody else said, no, Peter's the best preacher. We saw 3,000 when he preached, and so on. And they started to split and to fall apart along these different lines. So Paul starts 1 Corinthians 3 like this. Brothers and sisters, ask yourselves, do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you're living your life centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. For when you divide yourselves up into groups, a Paul group and an Apollos group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Who is Apollos and who is Paul? Just servants through whom you believed. Each of us doing the ministry God has assigned to us. I planted and Apollos watered, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is nobody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the growth. So how does Paul assess his ministry? In effect, he says, I'm nothing and I'm nobody, but God can use anybody and I'm thankful that he used me. Next chapter. You must perceive us, he says, as servants of Christ. That's it. Stewards of God's mysteries. The most important quality of a steward is that they are faithful. Personally, it is a very small thing to me if I'm judged by you or any verdict I receive from any human court. In fact, I don't even assume to be my own judge. My conscience is clear, but I'm not acquitted by that. The Lord is the only judge I care about. So notice this. Resist the temptation to pronounce premature judgment on anything before the appointed time when all will be fully revealed. Instead, wait until the Lord makes his appearance. For he will bring all that is hidden in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. Then, when the whole truth is known, each will receive praise from God. I read an amazing book in the last couple of weeks, The Courage to be Disliked. It's a Japanese writer's introduction to the psychologist Alfred Adler, who was part of the Vienna Circle with Jung and Freud, but they threw him out because what he said was so contrary to what they were teaching. He said things like, past traumas don't have to define us today. He says, the future isn't ours to decide, so focus on now. He said, I can't change anyone but me, but I can change. He quoted an old Jewish proverb That said, if the world was made up of only you and 10 other people, two would think you were great. One would really not like you. So who do you live to please? None of them. That's the freedom to be disliked. He says that's the greatest freedom, to have the courage to be disliked. See, we live in a world that is increasingly about likes. I had somebody follow me on Instagram the other day. I didn't recognise who it was. I didn't know them, but I clicked on it. And it was some weird account that basically said, want, likes, or follows. (laughs) Apparently, if I followed them, I would get more likes and more follows. But I didn't. See, but I can live like that. I can live wanting likes and follows. I can be very crushed by not getting likes and follows. I know my own heart a bit better now. I know it's easy for me to not do the right thing because I'd rather do the popular thing. I like to be liked. It's scary not to be liked. But what I read about Paul saying here, and this is so countercultural for people like me, is that he doesn't look to the Corinthians or any other human being for likes or follows for himself he's not looking for validation based upon what anybody thinks or says about him now he's not constructing his identity he's not building his self-worth anymore he's not putting his hope for the future in other people's opinions or other people's standards but that's not because he's choosing his own it's not because he's saying I don't care about you I don't worry what anybody else thinks it's, isn't he saying oh it's just because I've got such high esteem self-esteem no it's because he's got high god esteem he says I don't even judge myself. Look carefully at verse 4. My conscience is clear. That doesn't make me innocent. Paul was a, massive, a person of massive stature and impact, of course. But in another letter to Timothy, he says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Not I was, I am. He knows himself. He's like, I'm the worst at times. He's totally aware of his flaws but he says you know what I'm not even going to judge myself not because of low self-esteem or high self-esteem but because of God esteem he says God is the only one qualified to judge Tim Keller calls this the freedom of self-forgetfulness in an essay he wrote on this passage what Paul is saying is he's not going to let his shortcomings or his accomplishments define his identity sometimes we can judge a church by how well it's doing based upon those kind of things you know, we can say, oh, we've got a lot more people liking our Facebook posts than last year. We've got more people added to our Instagram and all of that. We're popular in those kind of ways. But Paul knows the danger of that is it can stop you doing the things that God wants you to do. It can stop you doing the things God is calling you to do. But then Paul says, it's like you're saying, like saying, look, because I'm free from you, and I'm free from me, I'm free for him he's not pulling anybody else down, he's not comparing, he's not even competing with anybody else, he's not thinking of himself less, he's not think- so he's not thinking less of himself, he's thinking of himself less, and he's thinking more about God, whose verdict about what is success is so much more different now, since he's already received the verdict from the one who died and rose again for all of his sins, which is The same word that was spoken over Jesus is now spoken over you and spoken over me. You are my beloved and with you I'm well pleased. Who needs likes when you have that love? What I've learned most in the year of prayer is about myself. That when I get with God alone, I'm never alone And and usually I want him, I start to pray for him to change the world or to change circumstances or, or to change whatever or whoever I want to see changing. But I can't change anybody else. So it's better for me to ask him to change me. And as I pray, Lord, I am nothing and I'm nobody, but you can use anybody. He uses me. This is a lesson I want us to bear in mind as we continue as a church to put our hope fully in Jesus Christ, to dream bigger, to set more goals, to make plans. We've already got plans. The site leaders just had this amazing couple of days. They went crazy. They got plans to reach thousands of people for Jesus in the next few weeks. Next few years even. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in the next few weeks. But in here, I'm praying, this is my prayer, to have a thick skin and a soft heart rather than the other way around. to listen to criticism so I can learn from it and change where necessary, but not to be devastated by it and certainly not to be controlled by it. Not to live for likes, but from love. For the one who loves me no matter what, who's always loved me, because guess what? It's not about me and it's not about you. It's all about Jesus and he is our living hope. Let's pray. I was in a meeting yesterday and this prophetic woman got up and she was speaking and, it was a, and then she, she said, right now, how does God see you? And then she started to say, you know, maybe you think he sees you as, 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 a, as a messy and as broken and she started to say all this stuff. And you know what? I saw myself robed, clothed in righteousness with a crown of gold on my head. Not because I deserve it. It's not fair, but it's grace and it's good. And, Lord, I thank you that we can reign in life in this year through Christ Jesus. We can have hope that will not disappoint. Amen. Yay. And now, Rob Jackson. Woof, woof, woof.
11: Hello everyone, good evening. Uh, f- well, my first reflection of tonight is I'm glad that my name isn't behind me with a colour background of Manchester City blue, uh, which uh, a number have been, so it's starting well. And I know uh, I'm up here to talk about the money, uh, given that on the Eldership team, I'm responsible for the budgets and the buildings. But I thought instead to start with, let's start with a game. Why not? Let's have a game. Bit of audience participation. So if you are able, could you please stand up? And could you please remain standing if you think, if you can remember that you have been to at least three AGMs? At Ivy Church. Okay. So could you remain standing if you think let's double that roughly. So could you remain standing if you've been to approximately six? Okay, so okay about we're starting to lose people. Okay, let let's raise the stakes a bit. Let let's go higher. Let's get into double figures. Let's say let's say about ten. That's a nice round number. So remain standing. OK, we've got a core here, haven't we? OK, 15. Remain standing. 15. OK, I need to raise this again. 25. Well, a round of applause. Uh, 45, oh, there we go, there we go, all right, Nick's still, uh, uh. (laughs) very good, there should be a prize for that, I think, without doubt. So, I guess the point of this is, however many you've been to at this part of the evening, uh, we tend to talk, uh, normally in this order actually, about finance uh, and buildings, looking back on the year and thinking about the year ahead, and uh, however, uh, in sort of planning for tonight, I thought, um, I don't know, let's, let's do something completely different. So, we're going to do something else tonight. We are going to do it yeah. buildings and finance. Yeah. I have decided to embrace those bywords of innovation and disruption, <laughs> put stand things on their head, and we're going to start with buildings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I guess where I wanted to start tonight with buildings is actually just to start and reference back to the open evening that we had a couple of weeks ago that was looking at the Cheadle Hume development uh, that has been referenced tonight. Uh, And one of the things that I said first that evening actually to everybody that came, and there were about 60 or 70 people there, which was great, was that please, please, please remember that it is Cheadle Hume, not Cheadle. Important. Uh, So I was a bit disappointed in my site leader this morning at Ivy Didsbury. uh, Not looking in anybody's general direction when it was referred to as Cheadle. But uh, there we go. But um, Well, you're a great site leader, Matt. Thank you. (laughs) Um, My first point around this, though, in terms of bringing this up tonight was actually... So just to explain and go back to the point of why, actually. Because Matt referenced, actually, thinking about all the things that have taken place in the past year, he referenced Ivy Sport. And clearly, when you acquire a lease for a large green space that has cricket pitches on, that has a lacrosse club on, sport is closely and inexorably linked within that. But actually, there's something much bigger to this than sport. And that's about how we as a church look outwards. You know, Ivy, in the nearly 20 years that I've been coming, has never been a church that is solely focused on looking inwards, on being all about ourselves, and nor should we ever be. And with the Cheadle-Hume opportunity, thinking about the year ahead and what I'm excited about, I'm really excited about how this opportunity this development actually gives us a new way in different ways of trying to look at building bridges with the community. And there are 28,000 people that are in the immediate community surrounding the site. I'm excited at the answers that God will give us as we ask, what can we do? How will we serve that community? As opposed to, well, what can the church do for me? So I think there's a and a massive amount of exciting things that will take place in the Year of Hope around Cheadle Hume. And the next slide shows... Uh, some of you will have seen this on the, on the evening itself a couple of weeks ago, but the red, if you can see behind me, it's not the best, but the red is the site that we have acquired from Stockport Council. And the next slide again shows... Uh, the building, the social club that has been referred to, that we're planning to refurbish. Now, if you can see, it's slightly out of focus. And the reason for this is because it's really ugly it and it looks better out of focus. So, but you... We are going to do something to it. We are going to make it... It's actually Phoenix Nights, isn't it? If any <laughs> of you have seen Phoenix Nights, expecting Peter Kay to uh, walk out of there. But... Um, there's a lot going on there. We have plans to refurbish it. We have plans to start working with the community in these next few months. This is what's currently taking place in terms of construction. There's steelwork there, which is the new sports pavilion that's going up. And then in the future, when we've done the refurbishment work, this is how we believe it could look in terms of that club that we just saw slightly out of focus in terms of what we think this can be in terms of a facility, that is serving the community, that is about extending God's kingdom in that place. But there's a lot to do. And there's a lot to do in terms of the aim that we have and the vision that we have for that site, and there's a lot to reflect back on in terms of what we've done so far. I've mentioned how it's about working with the local community in many different ways. So we want to connect with people in that place. We want to run different things in the week and at the weekends, we know that it's going to encompass people serving as volunteers as well as having staff there. And we hope in terms of staffing and plans for the year ahead that we'll soon be able to get going with a role that at the minute we're calling a centre manager, which is somebody who is going to be the coordinator, the builder of relationships for Ivy in that place. We hope in this year that we can have a church meeting out there, whatever that looks like, whenever that meets, but a group of people coming together to worship and praise God. And there's a lot that we've done so far as well. In terms of the next slide, just to reflect on and say thank you to people that have got us this far. So to be able to do this, we've been thinking about how we can best structure it, mostly both to protect Ivy, but to allow us to exploit the potential of the site. So we've set up a company that's wholly owned by Ivy, that has a number of directors on, two from the sports clubs, lacrosse and cricket. There are three places for directors from Ivy, and that's called Chask Limited. We have signed a 125-year lease with Stockport Council to run the sites, and critically, we feel, We managed to go through a planning process to change the use of the site so it's not just designated as somewhere where you can go and have a party, where you can play sport, but actually that it's a place of worship, where Ivy can meet and praise and worship God. We bought out the lease for that social club, which incredibly cost £127,000 for that but we were able, only able to do that because of the support of Brockbank Foundation, so we're really grateful for all their help and support to get us this far. We've secured funding, working with Sport England, the English Cricket board, those from the Cricket Club and the Cross Club who had done a lot of this work themselves, for us to be able to build that sports pavilion, the steelwork of which you saw slightly earlier, which is going to be ready for about April. And that will actually give us, as a church, a large meeting space to start to meet as well. It's not just about having changing facilities and things such as that. We're currently finalising the design for the refurbishment of the social club, for that to be ready later in the year, for then a whole raft of new activity to start to take place. And it's worth reflecting as well that in terms of the past year, that at the planning meeting in September, one of the councillors there said of all the work done, that it's an example going forward of working in partnership for others to follow. So in short, a lot has been done in 2018 to prepare the way for this year ahead, for this year of hope. And tonight's about saying thank you. And so I want to say thank you to, well, I could say thank you to a lot of people, actually, but I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to keep it to one, and that's to Dave Pearce. He's here somewhere tonight, because Dave has got us this far. So, where is he? I can't see him. So, Dave, you need to to sit up and just come forward. Oh, Catherine. (laughs) Because Dave has done a huge amount uh, in terms of project management, in terms of reminding me of when things haven't been done that I said I would do, in terms of helping run the project subgroup. So thank you, Dave, for helping us get this far. You've been brilliant. So moving on to finance and that link from buildings to finance. There's quite a few things that I want to say here, actually. One thing that I didn't say under buildings but linked to finance, and something that I'm almost excited about as Cheadle Hume, is that actually in this year ahead, relating to budgets, we're going to refurbish the toilets at Didsbury. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I thought... I thought... I, I, was, e- <laughs> I was expecting that reaction from some. Uh, but this is really important. This is really important, because actually... This uh, this comes down to how people give to the church. I remember last year I spoke about the AAA rating, about how we administer what we receive, about how we're accountable for it and about what our attitude is towards it. And I think all of that is mixed in to sort of how we report back and also then we have a more detailed meeting later in February, sort of the detail that we can go into and the questions that we receive there around the budget. I don't have time to go into the slides that were shown at the open evening a couple of weeks back relating to the cheadle Hume opportunity. But for those of you that were there, you received a Keith Nelson tour de force of two PowerPoint slides that I thought really made clear that even though the numbers that we're talking about are pretty big in the grand scheme of things, that actually the cheadle Hume opportunity is a very good one for Ivy. Keith explained that in terms of capital spend, what we need to refurbish that building and make it look like how we showed it to you just a moment ago compares very favourably to past developments that Ivy have looked at in terms of acquiring sites and wanting to develop them. We explained that night that in terms of operating costs, to be able to run that facility, we think it will be about a third of what it cost us to hire the cinema at Pars Wood, that we only actually could use for one Sunday every week, whereas this is going to be a facility that is ours to run all during the week. And that actually, for that lease from Stockport Council, for the next 125 years, the rent that we pay on it every year is £1,000. You know, that's a peppercorn rent. That is a pretty small amount for such an amazing site with huge potential. So we think, I think linking buildings to finance in this part, that actually that Cheadle-Hulme opportunity rep- represents pretty good value for money for this church going forward. What we have up uh, on the screen behind me just explains our audited accounts that obviously were published last year. Um, and we know that at the end of that year, and this is a combined sum in terms of expenditure and income that includes first fruits giving for that, that year, that at the end of the year, actually, we had a very small deficit, about £13,000, roughly 1% of our budget. Now, when I've stood up here in the last two years, I've been able to talk about a surplus, actually, and not a deficit. Um, And I'd rather talk about surpluses than deficits, to be clear. Um, But it's a very small amount. And actually, as Ivy Church, we're in a very strong place financially. We have reserves of about three months of our operating spend. And how much we spend every month is about £93,000. So as a church, we're very well placed to be able to withstand any small deficits such as we saw in 2017, 18. We look next at the current year, 2018, 19, and obviously we're in the last quarter. We're going up to the end of March for this year, and we'll see or you'll see—behind me that our expenditure and income, based uh, on our budgeted position at the start of the year, when we looked at this towards the end of the calendar year before Christmas. What we saw in terms of forecasting is that our expenditure isn't quite what we thought it was going to be, but nor was our income. So actually, in terms of what we're doing internally to manage that in our last quarter, we're being very careful about that. We're looking at what we spend. Uh, Some of you may know that I'm married to Gail, and Gail works for CAP. And I think some of the principles of CAP are, they talk about cut back and cut out. So actually, for Ivy, as a team, we're just looking at that in a sensible way at the minute in terms of how we manage that. And I'm confident in terms of when we get to the outturn at the end of the year, we won't be reporting on a position like that. But I want to reassure you that we're very much on it as a staff team, as an eldership team, in terms of managing that. We had a slide this morning. Uh, I was at Didbury this morning... We showed a slide around first fruits, and I think this is part of that triple A rating in terms of how we account back for what you so generously give. And this, this slide shows a combined total for the last couple of years, actually, and hopefully you can, with the, uh, the clear colours, see the differentiation there around what differing uh, amounts have been spent. And I just wanted to bring this to life a little bit and draw out some examples of where this goes. So you'll see behind me that um, 13% went on evangelism and mission in terms of how we expended this First Fruits money. So to give you an example of that, we supported LZ7 on... And I know I'll pronounce this wrong because my, my children always tell me, on the Jason Durello tour. I don't, I don't even know who he is, but apparently it was really great. And I think we really wanted to support them doing that. In terms of the people at Ivy section, this was about 5% of that amount behind you, behind me. And that included being able to help kickstart some of that student work that was referenced earlier and also have a worship intern within the staff team. We know that in terms of Ivy projects, 16% has been spent around that. And included within that was the training around life care, the pastoral training that I know we have plans for in the year ahead about being able to do more with that because I know a number of you received that really good training. 13% 13% was spent on church planting. And a couple of those places where we were able to help churches at the start of their journey were in the Lake District in South Wales. 48% was spent on Cheadle Hume to get us this far in terms of all of what we've done, going through the various processes, um, working to develop the buildings. And we know that in terms of what we've said about first fruits for the year ahead, that in terms of whatever we raise, we think about 80% of that should go towards helping us get to the next stage as well as being able to bring more money in from outside. And we have a final 5%, £13,000, that is still to be allocated from that pot. And we'd appreciate your prayers in terms of how and where that gets to. And one thing I didn't quite realise when I became an elder about two and a half years ago was that in terms of first fruits and when it comes in, that in the first week or so, actually, that we tithe that first amount, that as soon as it comes through the door, we want a 10% to go very quickly out of the door to people that we know would really benefit from that. And that's something that we will, again, be doing this year. So... In 2017-18, I know we talk about this every year, but again, this is part of us showing gratitude, actually, in terms of your generosity, in terms of what you give to the church. So we were able to recoup £185,000 through gift aid in 2017-18. And that's amazing. Thank you, government, for us being allowed to do that. But thank you to you all for actually all that you give And we're able to do this in terms of the administration because some people in a voluntary capacity give up their time to help count the money on a Monday after the Sunday uh, in the office at Didsbury and to be able to bring that all together. So we've done it before, but I'm, for every time that I'm an elder, I'm going to do it every year and say thank you. So we want to say thank you in particular to two people uh, who are volunteers who do that job every Monday, and that's Dave Clayton and Jeff Luckhurst. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jeff. So, my final bit, and I'm conscious of time, is just to touch upon some key aspects for the budget in the year ahead. And consider this, I suppose, tonight is the starter for a main course, which is the 27th of February, when actually we get to delve in to the detail a bit more around this. But I just want to pull out a couple of headlines and headlights for you. Um, headlines or highlights? I'm not even sure. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. So, priorities for a year ahead. There are lots, actually. We heard the site leaders talk earlier about all that's happened and all that will continue. Sam's managed to get his photo up there again, (laughs) which is some kind of record. Um, So, we really want to do more this year around our work with students in Manchester, in terms of discipleship, in terms of mission, in terms of improving our relationships with the universities, that feels like a priority. I've spoken already about Cheadle Hume and planting a new church, a new site, working with a new community. The amazing work of CAP, and yes, a conflict of interest in terms of being married to Gail, who leads our work around CAP. But one thing we want to do this year is actually have more capacity within that team, Around having some more hours for a debt coach in a new geography for us to do more. So, there are some things that feel important in in terms of the year ahead. We want to do more around mission. We know that the budget in Ivy is normally about 20 to 22, 23% around what we give to mission. I know one of us as elders very recently was talking to somebody in another church who couldn't quite get their head around that we do give away so much money uh, in terms of mission to different mission partners around the world. Behind me, you'll see, um, you'll see the McGowans, you'll see the Morgans, and these are two sets of people who are at different parts of their mission journey, actually, with Ivy. Uh, for those of you that know the McGowans, Stephen and Lorna, They left Northern Ireland for Thailand with OMF back in 1989 with their three boys. And over the years in Thailand, as well as sometime back here in the UK, they've been involved in church planting and pastoring some international churches in that country. And they've done amazing work. But after 29 years, as I suppose as career missionaries, they know that their time is actually to come back and head back to Northern Ireland. So we say thank you to them and we recognise that actually they're at the end of their mission journey. But we're really grateful for how we've been able to support them along that way. The Morgans, are a completely different point of the spectrum in terms of our support for them. Some of you will know Malk and Trish. They're based in Greece, just north of Athens, where they have planted a church called, and I know I won't get this quite right, Elpitha. Yeah, okay, which means hope, how ironic. Um, And they've opened a hub there to facilitate their ongoing work amongst the local community, as well as the refugee community who are in that place at this time. And I know some people were able to visit them this last year, and maybe again in the year ahead. But that's a really important relationship that we want to foster and build in terms of our support for them. And then we support organisations, of course, as well. And this year we wanted to highlight the amazing work of Dignity, who many of you will know. And partly through the support of Ivy, but with others in this past year, Dignity have been able to plant 185 new life groups, which has created a place for over three and a half thousand people to help find their way back to God in in countries in Southern Africa. So, that's some of the amazing work that is done through Mission and how we're able to support both looking back but looking forward. So, I just wanted to move a couple of another slide forward, please, because I'm very conscious of time. But I guess in this year of hope, I wanted to finish by saying that we think the budget, at the minute, we're looking at a budget of about £1.1 million in terms of expenditure and then income to allow us to obviously do the work that we want to do. I think every year we plan for growth. We go into this with a faith-filled heart, as well as being really careful around the checks and balances in place we have to look after the money in year and see how it uh, deviates possibly from the plan that we have. We recognise that the stretch in this but as we've heard tonight, we have goals at this church to do more. We want to dream bigger and we want to reach more people. And I'd just invite you, if you want, on this final slide, to come along on the 27th of February and find out more. And I want to say thank you in advance for those people that do. Because actually, through that process of scrutiny, through that process of constructive challenge and support, you know, we make better decisions and we have real wisdom Uh, and brain power in that room, so thank you in advance for coming on the 27th of February. That final slide just highlights the process that we have ahead around the budget because as members of Ivy you have to vote it in, you have to say this is a budget that we can support. So later this week we will, uh, for people that email in uh, to the office, Uh, We'll we'll send out the budget documentation to give you time to read the numbers, to read the narrative that accompanies it. We will have that meeting on the 27th of February. And I do recognise that we've also spoken tonight about there also being a meeting on the 26th of February. So just to be clear, you're very welcome at both. You are allowed to go home in between, I will be, and coming back But we recognise they're at a similar point of time, but that's about logistics and just being able to run things. Uh, And then we will have a, a vote later in March, where hopefully we will get to a point of approval to allow us to do the things that we want to do in this year of hope. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. I'm so grateful that we have people like Rob in our church who can make figures fun. (laughs) It's a gift, I think. uh, uh, Yeah, it's an amazing gift. So we come to um, the final bit of procedure that we do at our AGMs every year. So. Ivy, um, as Rob has said, we're a membership organisation, and as elders, we are elected by you, the members. And um, just so that we don't get elected and stay in forevermore, we have this uh, clause that says that every three years, some of us will go up for re election. So if something, if you really don't want us anymore, then you have your say tonight. And if you really do want us, which we hope you do, then you have your chance to also say that tonight. If you're a member, you should have been given a slip like. this. Wave your slip like this if you have it. Let's create a little breeze. Um, And our fantastic volunteers have done such a thorough job of tracking who our members are, who is in the room, and who is not in the room. So what you basically need to do is put a cross in either for or against the names of the two elders who are up for re-election tonight, who are Adam Firth, Adam, can you stand and wave just in case anyone doesn't know Adam, and Robert Varnum, who is our other elder just over here. So you can be doing that just uh, right away. And then when you've done it, please pass your slips along the row and we will collect them and aim to have them counted presently. Thank you so much.
7: Okay, and while that is ongoing, while you're ticking boxes and uh, passing them down the row, I'm just going to quickly invite Andy Lee to join me for a second. Um, So, uh, in terms of some of the other questions that have been submitted over the course of the last few weeks, we've had a question that uh, has been raised a couple of times, which was to say, is there a plan to replace those staff and elders that have moved on recently? So, um, Andy, are you okay to just quickly... Fill people in on that.
12: Yeah, just, just very quickly on this one. So the question was: is there a plan to replace those staff elders that have moved on recently? Um, in short, the plan is to diligently follow God's plan. Um, what I mean by that is to expand. It's it's really important, as we know in the past and as Anthony set up for the future, that Ivy is really well resourced um, in order for us to fulfill our mission and our vision. And one of the ways that we need to do this is that we don't want to brashly rush into any quick appointments. It's very easy for us to look at a vacancy that's been suddenly appeared and to go, okay, who's next to fill that role? What we really want to do is to take a step back because every time that happens, it's an opportunity for us to take a a look at the bigger picture because what served us well in the past might not serve us so well today. And what got us here today might not get us to where God wants to take us into the future. So it is something that's ongoing. Um, We are having lots of conversations about it, lots of prayer about it. We really want to make sure that it's done in the best possible way. I was going to say perfect, but as we've already been highlighted to today, there's no such thing as that. So, yeah, we just want to remain nimble and versatile uh, and make sure that we're listening to how God wants to equip us as a church to really fulfil the mission that he has in store for us. Thank you, Andy.
7: He's a good man. Uh, we also had another question, which was, how often would the elders like Ivy congregations to have communion on a Sunday? And Jane is going to provide a little response. To that.
13: Thanks. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, It's a question that's quite close to my heart, communion, because I absolutely love sharing communion and receiving communion uh, with my church family. So the question of how often, to be honest with you, there's nothing in the Bible that says how often. So as elders, we would absolutely 100% recommend that communion is never neglected. We really encourage all our sites to participate in communion as often as they feel it's appropriate for their site. So, if you, as a, a member of that congregation, would like it to be more, then we do suggest that you probably meet up with your site leaders, you know, your core teams, and ask um, what's appropriate in your site. Because obviously, the larger the site, there are some complications in sort of managing communion. But along with that, um, In my Grow Group, we fairly regularly share communion together. And it's something that I would really, really encourage all of you to do. Um, We are all priests. We are all anointed. We can all share communion together. We don't have to come to church. We don't have to come to a building. Uh, Somebody who is standing at the front does not have to be that person to give you communion. We are all people who can share communion. So with your friends... Um, who come round for dinner with your grow groups your small groups um, as elders and as staff teams when we meet together communion is often part of that it doesn't have to take over the whole evening it can do but it's something that is very natural for Christians just to participate in and share you can do it simply and we would really as elders encourage you to do that more and more in our small groups. so if it's not happening on the Sunday morning and you'd like to receive communion more get on with it basically (laughs) and do it within your grow groups and you have permission to do that
7: thank you jane and then i'm just going to quickly get rob to jump back up because we also had a question through which was to say how would you describe the leadership style and culture at ivy and do you find oh sorry do you feel it's consistent with the values of the church thank you um I have the privilege of spending lots of
9: money on commissioning leadership development, so I'd like to kind of spend the next three hours talking about (laughs) theories of... No. Um, um, So this was... um, Lots of of people have kind of asked questions that have touched on this, uh, that particular question in those words, which kind of summed up really nicely. It was from Emma and Demer and Cormac, so thank you to them for that. Um, I think there's probably kind of three main things to, to say from our perspective on that. I think the first one, in a sense, for me, I think... We've sort of seen it this evening. Um, Firstly, that um, leadership is about service. Um, Our leaders in Ivy, if you love God and you love people, that's an essential requirement. I think the second thing to say is that um, we believe in the ministries of leadership that Paul talks about, the apostolic leadership, the prophetic leadership, evangelistic leadership, servant—sorry, uh, shepherding leadership and teaching, that um, actually we're really very focused on what leaders accomplish and what is building the church. And those five quite different things are given to us by scripture as being tasks or ministries of leadership Um, and that's a big thing for us we kind of focus a lot on helping to develop people um, for that whether you're a paid leader or a volunteer whether you're kind of new at this or you've been doing it a long time we seek people to be understanding what their ministries and their gifts are and their strengths playing to them and developing never staying still on those. And I think the third thing to say um, is that we're a body and therefore we're really varied in terms of our personal style and personalities. It's not just about your gifting um, and your calling. Actually, uh, the the, the way you are, the person you are, um, has a big impact. And we value that because we're a body and every part of the body is necessary. So, uh, you know, um, Tim Burr leads in a different way from Jane Edwards, who leads in a different way from Delina King or, or Lucy West. And, and those people are, you know, some of them are paid to be a leader and some are volunteers to be a leader. And the things that they bring are partly about their calling and their gifting, partly about their, their personality. Um, and in that too, because we're all disciples, disciple means learner. So, Although we celebrate our diversity and our personal styles and the contributions we bring, we're always learning. And we will be perfect one day, but it won't be on earth. We're getting there. Um, and um, we're hoping always to be confidently holding on to God as he disciples and trains us up and makes us, takes us from one degree of glory to another. So, that sort of, I suppose, kind of describes our principles, what we value about leadership. It's not about having a title, it's not about having a position or being like and having a place in a hierarchy. It's about the way God calls you to serve, and that's really varied. And we're hoping always to, to be learning and growing. Um, so, um, that's the journey that I hope we reflect. And we don't pretend that we've got it right um, because we want to be vulnerably learning as disciples. Um, so that was kind of our, our best not three-hour um, theoretical journey into the wonderful world of leadership development. Although, if, you know, if you have ever fancy that, I'm, I'd, be, I'd be up for an evening on that. Um, <laughs> Um, There was another question which um, a few people have asked, in fact three people this morning grabbed me um, and asked it um, verbally and it was just wanting clarification really um, on the question of are we planning as a a leadership team, staff and elders, are we planning to be planting more church sites, more churches this year? Heck yes. Yes. Simple answer. Um, as, as a couple of people have actually mentioned, um, one of our principles of working is that the elders are, are here to support and guard and cheer on and empower the staff team who are leading sites to be dreaming big to be hearing with God about what he's got planned, and to be making things happen and turning great inspiration and dreams into plans. And we're right in the middle of a really exciting process of doing that. You can't, have... <laughs> they can't keep still. <laughs> um, God has been imparting some big dreams, and actually for I think probably everyone, taking some pretty ambitious dreams and hopes to another level just in the last few days, um, which is amazing. And we're doing a lot of work at the moment to say, okay exactly what does that look like, how many, and how is it going to happen, and who's going to have to be part of it, and what things are going to be needed to kind of drive that kind of growth. But the answer is yes, every one of our sites have plans and dreams with God to be growing numerically and in depth and quality of discipleship this year and every year. Um, and we think that means that, that could, we could be seeing our number of sites more than double over the next two or three years. Come on. Um, and so, just more and more of that is the plan. But the short answer was yes. Heck yes.
1: <laughs> thank you. So, the good news is the results of the vote are in. And um, thank you for taking the time to do that and for confirming that we do want to keep Adam and Robert. We really value them as elders. So, thank you. Righties. We also... We also really appreciate the people who have taken the time to submit questions in advance. It's really helped us to prepare and to plan the evening and we really hope um, that you have heard what you wanted to hear or that you you know, that you know, felt your questions have been answered. Um, I'm mindful of time. We do want to worship before we finish but if anybody had one or two um, short questions that they wanted to just bring, we have got a moment or two um, to do that. If anyone wanted to do that, Adam's got a mic and he's really good at running. Um, it's true you need to give me a big wave though it's getting dark in here if you have a question we'd love to hear it and if not we would really love to worship God any more for any more I'm not seeing any way oh I've got a wave I've got a wave lastminute.com wave hello Hello. I just wondered if it was possible maybe to have a statement of faith on the website oh Anthony it's, do you on, it's on the
13: membership form. So
1: that'd be great to see you. Yes. Can I answer
8: that? I think I think in a way, uh, um, our website really, the main thing about our website is it's a welcome map. And and it's really uh, and, and well I mean, it's and it's aimed at non-Christians. It's not aimed at trying to get Christians from other churches to come to Ivy. So the thing if you're gonna go on and compare with church.com, if you're looking around for churches, one of the things you wanna do is find oh well what do they believe and all that of stuff. I'd rather people figure out what we believe by the way we live than that, so I, I really take it on board, I think it's something that I think we should discuss together, at the moment there was it wasn't like we did. We thought, we didn't think about it, I think there was an intentional is that, you know because there's, there's, it's a bit, there's a thing that I watched, there's a guy called Donald Miller who wrote this great book anyway, he was saying that a loss of Lots of church websites are like businesses, like, like lawnmower businesses. No, It's like if you were running a gardening company, you would put on the, on the website for the gardening company, we cut your grass, here's what we do, here's how we do it, it's going to cost you this much, here's a few testimonials from other people, but get in touch and find out and let us cut your grass. Well, what they don't do, but if it was a church one, what we would do is put on... This is the kind of lawnmowers we we use, and here's all the detail of how you can get into and know all about the lawnmowers that that we all like. And it becomes an internal focus thing. So, so we're not sure whether or not that's it, that, that kind of thing. But if if more people come and and you know tell us, actually, we think Rosie was right. That's a brilliant idea, and that would really help people to decide whether or not they're going to give us a go. Then let's do it. Um, but I don't want to overload the website with other stuff that isn't necessarily going to get people to just come and see. It's come and see is is what it's about, I think.
7: The other thing to say in that is that there is some work ongoing within the team about a slightly different communications kind of platform for within Ivy. So that's something that's kind of in development and in thinking as well. So I think it might link in there. There is another question if we have time for one more.
1: We do have time for one more. This will be our last one, though, just being clear. This isn't as long as an elders meeting, Instantly, You guys are getting off lightly going home before midnight. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that as this is an uh, annual gratitude meeting, I wanted to thank Anthony and the elders just for the integrity and the courage with which they lead Ivy. And, um, you know, my, I, my gratitude just goes out to you. I appreciate it. it's been a really difficult year. And um, I, for one, just trust you guys and are proud to be part of Ivy and for all the work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you so much, Kay. Amazing. Great. So if there is more you want to talk about, obviously we have our Monday nights that you can book into. You can meet with a couple of elders. One of them might be Anthony, not always, Um, on a Monday through the office. Obviously we've got some follow-up meetings at the end of the month, but let's just draw our time together to a close. If you're able to stand, if your legs have not gone numb, um, let's have a little shake out and a little move and uh, let's just end our time together in thankful worship of our Lord God who is good.
0: Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.